Welcome back to the Crowd Noise Podcast, everybody. I am your host, as always, Stephen Martinez. On a Thursday, January 10th, 2019, we got a brand new sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Baboon. They make great duffel bags. They last forever. They're super durable. You can take them wherever you want. Go to their website, baboontothemoon.com. We will be hearing more from them later on in the show. I can guarantee you that. Man's got to pay the bills, am I right? Um, second week of the NFL playoffs this week, the divisional round. Not too shabby last week. I must give myself a pat on the back. I went three for four. Uh, was an iced kicker away from going four for four. Um, and let's go. Let's get right into that. Let's get right into Cody Parkey. Stop bagging on Cody Parkey, okay? Just stop it. Because while he did miss what would be have been the game-winning field goal, um, he was the leading scorer for the Bears in the first half. You may or may not remember that. You may or may not remember the Bears going for a stupid shovel pass for a, a two-point conversion. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. You're right there. I mean, you can just walk that thing in there. And they do a shovel pass. It would just... Really, un- we all hail Matt Nagy. He's super creative. He's the greatest play caller of all time. And he ran a shovel pass? Ridiculous. I hated that. They also had the best, de- what I feel is the best defense in the entire NFL. The Eagles started their drive on their side of the field and they marched all the way down and scored. So you can blame so many other people before uh, Cody Park. If you want to put the blame on somebody, put it on Matt Nagy because he runs the whole operation. Don't blame Cody Parkey, and I get he's the kicker. He's supposed to make kicks. He's supposed to ice the games for you. But if you really don't feel that confident in your kicker, why do you put it in his hands in the first place? Mitchell Trubisky only had one touchdown. Don't blame Cody Parkey, okay? Chicago is a town of finger-pointing and scapegoats. Need I go further than Steve Bartman? Case closed. They love to blame people who really shouldn't be, you know, at blame or shouldn't really be blamed. Cody Parkey, yeah, he missed a field goal. He's missed a lot of field goals. That's what Cody Parkey does. Don't blame him. Like he was the entire, the only reason they lost that game. Maybe if he missed like three or four field goals and they lost by a touchdown, they lost by three points even, then maybe you can blame Cody Parkey. But no one really did their job for Chicago last week. So don't blame Cody Parkey. I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of people. It's so, because it's so easy. You know what? It's super easy. It's so easy just to blame Cody Parkey for all of Chicago's problems. The Cubs aren't going to win another World Series for 216 years because of Cody Parkey. It's ridiculous. Stop blaming him. Um, he was iced. I mean, he was iced. It happens. It happens to everyone. I mean, that's what, that's what part of the strategy is. You ice the kicker so he can miss it, and he did. And I knew he was going to miss it because here's a rule of thumb. If they ever call a timeout, if the other team tries to ice your kicker, do not let your kicker kicked the first few because he made he drilled the first one and I knew right then he's gonna miss the second one because more more often than not if you make the first one after being iced or before the timeout I guess you're more often than not gonna miss the second one so I mean I guess that does fall on Cody Parkey but it's not his fault I'm not blaming Cody Parkey one bit and neither should you I'm sick of hearing people putting everything people who were uh they were coming off the bench in their 10 to 12 YMCA flag football league blaming Cody Parkey's the worst kicker of all time. Get a life, man. I'm, it's just ridiculous. I'm so sick of hearing that. So with that, that has something to do with the, the rest of our show today. Uh, there was plenty of coaching hires to go around the league. I mean, six were hired in the span of like three days, three or four days. So we are going to rank 
from best to worst. All the coaching hires that went down this past week, that's what we're going to do. Because we pick, we already technically picked all these games. Because I, you know, we are going to pick Rams-Cowboys. It's going to be our premier pick of the week. Um, because every other game I've already picked. Like I said, my bracket was uh, <laughs> pretty solid, if I do say so myself. So, I mean, all these other games we've already picked, and I'm not, I'm not backing down now. I mean, the Eagles and the Saints. I mean, we'll do a quick run-through, I guess. Eagles and Saints. If there's one team in the NFC that I think can beat the Saints, it's the Eagles. I think that's the one team that has the best chance of beating the Saints, and I don't think they will. I think the Saints are just going to be a little bit too much for them. This is kind of their year. You know, when it's your year, and I'm using air quotes here, you play different. There's a different kind of energy. They're at home. They've had a, a week off. Uh, I, I think the Saints are just going to be too much for them. Colts and Chiefs. I love the Colts. I mean, they're one of my favorite teams this year. I mean, they're just they're fantastic. They play great football, but they're the new team of the week. I say it all the time. There's a new team of the week or, or you know, a popular team. No one wants to see Indianapolis. They're, I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to take care of business at home and the Chargers and the Patriots. Uh, Melvin Gordon is not out, but he's not 100%. I'm still sticking with the Chargers. They're the better team top to bottom, except maybe quarterback and definitely except um, head coach. Well, except definitely quarterback also. I mean, Tom Brady, TB12. But Phillip Rivers is having a great year. Uh, the Chargers defense is fantastic. I don't see the Patriots beating the Chargers, who are, I mean, clearly the superior team. What the Patriots do have is that it's in, it's in Foxborough, or Foxborough, depending on you know where you're listening from. So I'm taking the Chargers this week. Uh, we're going to get into our Rams-Cowboys pick. We're going to rank... All the coaches from one to six or six to one, depending on, I don't know, what do you think is better, going, giving out my worst pick first or saving, giving out my best pick first? I don't know. We'll probably go one to six just because, uh, yeah, because uh, I run the show. And uh, a quote of the week, a basketball quote of the week. There's not a basketball, look, there's not going to be a basketball segment today. And this is going to be the last time that that's not the tr- that's that that is the case because I haven't had basketball in a while and it's driving me nuts. I mean, this football season has been I mean, it's just had me uh, by uh, hand over fist. I, I don't know. I've lost my uh, analogies. But it's had my full attention. I haven't been able to deviate. Haven't been able to watch any college basketball. I'd, I mean, just the smallest amount of NBA basketball. Because this football season's had a new story every single week. It's just stuff that I, I can't not talk about. So next week, I promise you, we will have basketball on the show. I think the last time we had any basketball, NBA college, was uh, the Anthony Davis rant that I went on, which is pretty good. I mean, I'm going to – I'm fair. Most of this show is, is awful, but sometimes we do some pretty good stuff like that Anthony Davis thing I thought was pretty good. So we will have basketball next week, but uh, quarter of the week uh, has to do with basketball, but I never – quarter of the week is kind of like uh, – it's kind of like that mini cheesecake you get. Uh, when you leave when you leave restaurants, it's kind of like a dessert slash appetizer. It's not a real dessert because it's kind of small, but you know it it gets the job done. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna have a quote of the week from a basketball player. So that narrows it down. Um, let's go ahead and get right into our premier pick of the week: the Dallas Cowboys at the LA Rams, or is it the Rams at the Dallas Cowboys? Because LA is one of, I hate to say this, this really, really burns my chest to say, but Los Angeles is quite possibly the worst football city in all of America, and there, I have plenty of examples to back it up. Uh, last year, Eagles Super Bowl, I mean, they had a great year last year. The Eagles fans traveled very well to their credit. They took over the Chargers 
a soccer stadium and they they made it a madhouse in there. The Chargers got beat down that game. Uh, it was just a it was an Eagles home game in Los Angeles. It was just crazy. And they did it again this year in the Coliseum. I think it was an on Sunday night football. I think it was Nick Foles' first start uh, this season after taking over for Carson Wentz. And there was a sea of green. And every time they scored, it was loud. I mean, I mean, they, they really imposed their, their will. The fans, we're talking about the fans right now. Uh, and the Cowboys, I mean... There aren't any Eagles fans in L.A. I mean, of course, not to say that there isn't one. I'm sure there's like three or four of them in the entire city. But there are Cowboys fans in L.A. That is, I can, there are Cowboys fans in Los Angeles. And you match that with the Cowboys, I would say, have the best traveling fan base in all of the NFL. Their fans go all over the country. So, I mean, you compare that with there's fans already there waiting in L.A., uh, the fans that are coming from Arlington, are coming to LA, it's going to feel like a Cowboys home game. It's going to be a very comfortable environment for the Cowboys, which is important because Dak Prescott, much like Jared Goff, is uh, very home dependent. He's pretty good at home and he's pretty bad away from home. So I think in making that as comfortable in his environment for him as you can is really important. I think that's going to, ha- um, it's going to be good for Dak Prescott. He should have a pretty solid game, but it is in the Coliseum where Jared Goff is much better than anywhere else. I mean, he's really good at the Coliseum. Outside of that, he's really bad outside of the Coliseum. There's some inter- really, really interesting matchups this week. I mean, just individual matchups, the kind of narrative matchups. Uh, Jared Goff and Dak Prescott, they're both kind of inconsistent. Um, they're both different. Obviously, Dak Prescott's a much more athletic uh, player than Jared Goff, and Jared Goff is a much more polished passer than uh, Dak Prescott. So there's there's that matchup. There's Todd Gurley and Zeke. I mean, two of the best running, probably one and two, if you think about it, one and two of the best running backs in the league are going head-to-head. Uh, there's a, a matchup of the Cowboys offensive line, the Rams defensive line, and then vice versa. Um, you have Aaron Donald going up against Tyron Smith and uh, Zach Martin. I can't wait to watch that all night. I mean, that's going to be a, a great matchup. And then there's this. There's a statistical matchup. The Cowboys, as you may I may not have heard, like to run the football. They love it. It's their favorite thing to do. And why, why shouldn't it be? I mean, they have Ezekiel Elliott. He's, he's a monster. I think he could be even better if they were to throw the ball to him a little bit more. But, I mean, again, I've said it all. Ever since I've started this show, I've said I'm not in charge. That's why I made this show, so I can just scream and complain for about an hour. Um, the Rams are giving up, and this is on average. This is really interesting. I did not know this. I heard it uh, a little earlier in the week. That's me citing my sources. I heard it from somewhere. The Rams are giving up, on average, five yards a carry. That is ridiculous. I mean, that is something that makes Jason Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, the entire Cowboys organization just salivate. I mean, they are really, really going to pound the ball. Seattle had a okay rushing defense. To close the season, Seattle had one of the best rush defenses in the league. And Ezekiel Elliott ran the ball over 30 times. I mean, that is a heavy workload. Um, and they're kind of, he took a while for him to really wear down Seattle in the fourth quarter. That's when Dak Prescott kind of took over and he scored the uh, touchdown to ice the game. But this is, this is against a bad rush defense. I mean, I'm really excited to see what Ezekiel Elliott does uh, in L.A. However, I mean, with everything I just listed, sounds like I'm leaning towards the Cowboys. And I want to. I like the Cowboys. I like defensive teams 
I really do. The Bears, I, I love the Bears. I, I picked them to win last week. I was sad to see them uh, eliminated. The Cowboys are great. I love the Cow- I like the way the Cowboys play defense. I mean, they are just allergic to scoring the ball offensively. I like the Colts. The Colts play real defense, and they have balance on offense. I love the Colts. But the Cowboys just do not score the ball at all. They are just allergic to scoring the football, especially, especially in the red zone. They just do not punch it in when they get close, which is ironic because you think you have such a great running back, a mauler like Zeke. When you get in the red zone, it should be game over. You should be automatic six points at least every single time. But, it, I mean, it's, it's not. For whatever reason, it just isn't. And the Rams are a team that is, yes, they've been reeling, but they've had a week off. And any giving Sunday, <laughs> any, any game, they can drop 50. I mean, literally, they are that good offensively. Um, they're that opportunistic on defense. They can score 50 points any, any given game. And Dallas, any given game, can score six points. I mean, they're really... That's, how, that's a testament to their defense and how bad their offense has been. I think it's going to catch up to them. I mean, they got to score the, they got to score the ball. Um, and the Rams just have... They have an all-star lineup on defense. They have Indomitian Sue, Akib Talib, Marcus Peters, and not to mention probably the best defensive player in all of football, Aaron Donald. So, I mean, I think it's going to take a toll on the Cowboys. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott will have a nice day, but I think the Rams will score early. The Cowboys have what the best or the lowest points allowed in the first quarter. I think it's 27. They've given up 27 points in the first quarter all year long. I think the Rams are actually going to they're going to score a touchdown or two in the first quarter. I think they're going to jump out on the Cowboys, and they should because what does that do? That forces Dak Prescott to beat you with his arm. You're taking away Ezekiel Elliott early um, because they have to throw the ball. They're playing from behind, and this is not an offense that plays well when it's behind. I'll take the Rams in this one. I think this is going to be a boring game. Uh, I think the Rams are going to pull away. And then really not do much after that. I don't think the Cowboys are going to score. They might get a garbage time touchdown. I'll take the Rams 28-7. to And what I feel is probably going to be the worst game of the weekend as far as entertainment. I really think it's going to be like the most boring game. Because the Chiefs and the Colts, there's going to, you know there's going to be scored in that game. The Chargers and the Patriots, I mean, it, I mean that's going to be a great game. Because I feel it's going to be an upset. So, you know, seeing Tom Brady and Bill Belichick lose in Foxborough, not that I like it, but it's, it's news, I mean, for them to lose in, you know, at home where they're virtually unbeatable. And then, what's the other game? Oh, the Eagles and the Saints. Everyone wants to watch Nick Foles. I mean, whether you, like, you love him or you hate him, I love Nick Foles. It's gonna, I think that's going to be a really fun game. I like the Saints, but I think it's going to be an interesting game to watch. So the Cowboys and the Rams, horrible game. I mean, don't watch it. Just take my word for it. Rams over the Cowboys, 28-7. to Um Oh, I want to. I want to let everyone know. If you're going to that game, just I want to inform you. It's not, you know, you can't take everything. You want to if you're traveling to the game, or even if you live in LA and you're and you're going to the game, you can't bring everything. So you got to pack the essentials, especially because I mean, if you're if you're only going by your you're by yourself or with your friends, your family, you don't have a lot of room to carry stuff. You know, water bottles, you know, an extra jersey in case you want to switch up the mojo at halftime. So I would suggest if you're going to the game, make sure you have something to put all your belongings, your sunglasses, you know, your phone, your water, but every, anything you need for tailgating and then afterwards. So I would suggest you take a bag and I would, I would make a second suggestion, make it a baboon duffel bag. Since 
the playoffs started, there have been six head coaches hired. Some of them I really like. Some of the hires I think are, are great. Most of them are pretty awful. I'm going to be I'm going to be dead honest. Um, and because I'm not very creative and we were scraping together ideas for what are we going to put in the show this week, um, we're just going to rank them because that's what we do best here. We make these long, uh, convoluted rankings. And so we're going to do from one to six. Uh, for those of you who don't, let's just list them out now. This isn't a list. We're just telling you who was hired and by who. Uh, Bruce Arians by the Buccaneers, Adam Gates by the Jets, Cliff Kingsbury by the Cardinals, Vic Fangio by the Broncos, Freddie Kitchen by the Browns, and Matt LaFleur, that's so fun to say, by the Green Bay Packers. So we're going to list all those which I think are the best to which I think was the worst hires, and uh, hopefully we'll get uh, at least five minutes of a show out of this. So here we go. Uh, well, let's start with number one. And I think I'm... I'm on an island on this one this might come as a it's going to come as a huge surprise to you but i don't care this is how i feel you don't like it make your own podcast i don't care i'll support you i might give you a shout out on my podcast to promote your podcast i don't know i just may probably not but i just may anyway number one adam gaze to the jets i think this was the best hire of the off, well, this isn't even the off season so far, is it technically? But I think this was the best hire of the six. I really do, and it's the least talked about hire. No one, everyone's paying attention to, uh, you know, even Vic Fangio was getting a lot of uh, a lot of news, which I thought was ironic. As uh, a defensive guy, he was the only defensive coach that was hired, and everyone, no one could stop talking about him. And obviously, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, but I think Adam Gates quietly, this is the best hire. It's the best match of fit. And potential, because the Jets have both. There are other teams, other hires here, and we're going to get to them, obviously, uh, in a minute, where I like the fit, but I don't think there's much room for growth. I don't think there's a lot of potential in these other hires. I think this has both. I mean, the Jets already have a, uh, I don't know about great, but they have a good defense. Leonard Williams, Jamal Adams, they have they have a good defense, and they have their guy. Once you pick your franchise quarterback and you feel confident in him moving forward, the rest is so easy. Putting pieces around him, uh, implementing a system. It's so Once you find your quarterback, it is so easy. And they have Sam Darnold. I mean, they have their guy. He struggled. I mean, he wasn't the best. Easily is not even in almost in the rookie of the year conversation. But he, had it, he showed flashes. And that was with no offensive coaching at all except from Josh McCown, the backup quarterback. It seemed like that was the only... Uh, person on the sidelines that was giving him any kind of advice, any kind of help, uh, and he's he's one of the players on the team. So I think Adam, I like Adam Gase. He didn't really have a chance to succeed in Miami. Miami's an insecure franchise. They're one of those they don't know if they're re- they don't know how to rebuild, and they make these silly moves that aren't really win now moves. I mean, they brought in Frank Gore. He had a good year, but I mean, come on, what what kind of move is that? Is that helping you get any better? I mean, they brought in Jay Cutler a few years ago when the uh, Ryan Tannehill was down. They have Ryan Tannehill. Like he doesn't. I mean, I think he's pretty much done. Is Ryan Tannehill? I, I think that's over. The Dolphins are going to start looking for a, a new quarterback. I think he's finished. So Adam Gase really hasn't had a true opportunity to show how much talent and how smart he really is. And he's an offensive guy. I really think he's going to help the development of Sam Darnold. They have a good pick in the draft this year, um, and they have a, a ton of cap space. Um, and that was their biggest, they, the Jets could have been, they were pretty good this year. I mean, they weren't like uh, competing for a playoff spot or anything, but they weren't a joke. And the reason I bring that up, well, if you're not a joke, then who, I mean, 
If you're not a joke, but you're not making the playoffs, then who cares? Here's why. They had nothing on offense. They had zero help for Sam Darnold. Uh, Bilal Powell was their, backup, was their running back. Uh, Robbie Anderson was their number one wide receiver. I mean, they, they had nothing. They had nothing on offense. And I think, again, they are another sleeper team to land Le'Veon Bell. I think if you give Sam Darnold Le'Veon Bell, that's going to take a huge load off of him because, uh, you know, whenever the quarterback's not doing well, it's so easy to just hand the ball off, let your workhorse, you know, clean things up. I think that would be a great pickup for the Jets, and they can. They have a ton of money. Uh, I'd love to see Le'Veon Bell go to New York. Uh, hiring Adam Gates just makes it that much more of an attractive landing spot. You're in a big market. Uh, you have a young quarterback. You have an offensive co- I think this is a great hire. I think this is the best hire of the week. In my eyes, I think I think Adam Gates is number one. Number two, Vic Fangio. Now that I, this list is full of surprises, I know a lot of people are going to be, you know, probably have already, you know, turned off their phones or just, you know, exited the app or whatever. But stick around because I think I really think Vic Fangio was a great uh, hire. Now this is one of those what I was talking about. It's a great fit, but I don't know if there's a lot of potential. And then the reason I say that is it's a great fit because good on the Broncos. I mean, good for them for accepting their identity. They're a defensive team. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they, I mean, they have Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. I mean, they have great defensive players. And they were awful on defense this year. I mean, what does that say? Like, there is no excuse for the Broncos to be, you know, an altitude for, for them to be as bad as they were on defense this year or this past year. They bring in a great defensive mind. For, look at what, just think about this. The kind of season that Khalil Mack had under Vic Fangio Apply that, you can directly apply that to Von Miller. And then uh, conversely, Bradley Chubb. So I think, I think this is a great fit. The reason I say there's not a lot of potential for the future is because they still have nothing on off. They have Philip Lindsay, who's a, who I like, is pretty good. Uh, but then they have nothing else after that. You know, Case Keenum is not the quarterback of the future. Uh, they shipped out Demarius Thomas. They have Emmanuel Sanders and then Cortland Sutton, who I am not a big fan of either of those guys personally. No disrespect, I just don't. I'm not a big fan of those guys uh, as as receivers. So they still have a lot to work. They still have a lot of work to do on offense. But I like that they're you know they're accepting that they're a defensive team. They don't have their quarterback right now, like unlike you know the Jets. So let's just focus on our defense. Let's do what we do best. And I think I think this is a great hire. It's a great fit for the Broncos. Not a lot of people like this move because it's defense and everyone loves offense. I think this is a great hire. Uh, I know that I, and I actually think this is going to affect the Bears. Maybe not so much they're going to miss the playoffs, but I do think the Bears um, are going to take a step backwards because of this. I mean, their defense was that was their bread and butter uh, this year. I think it's I think it's going to hurt the Bears um, considerably. I really I really do think the Bears are going to take a step backwards. Still like them, but I think losing Vic Fangio is uh, going to have a lasting effect on Chicago. Thanks a lot, Cody Parkey. Number three, Bruce Arians. Um, another great fit, but not much potential. I just like, I like the hire. Um, Bruce, uh, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I haven't been saying, or I guess I have, um, what, what teams they've been uh, hired by. But Bruce Arians, nonetheless, he's going to Tampa Bay where it's, you know, it's really warm. So good, good for um, Bruce Arians. He's not in Phoenix, where it's not warm in Phoenix, it's just blistering hot. I mean, it's, it, I get that he plays in, or they play indoors, but uh, he has to leave the stadium at some point, and it's just hot. Um, now he gets to go to Tampa Bay, right by the beach. I mean, good for, good for Bruce Arians. I'm happy for him. 
But as far as football goes, this is a great fit. He's worked with, I mean, a bunch of uh, great quarterbacks. Um, but he's stern enough. I feel like this is, you know, this is the last, the last, last chance for Jameis Winston. I mean, if he can't get this right, they're moving on. And I think it's a good chance that they've given him because Bruce Arians has, you know, along the way, he's worked with Ben Roethlisberger, he's worked with Andrew Luck. Um, he's, he's nurtured a lot of quarterbacks throughout his uh, illustrious career. I think this will definitely help um, Tampa Bay and Jameis Winston. Now, conversely, I think they're a candidate to take a step forward. I think they will be much improved. Jameis Winston, his biggest problem is inconsistency. I mean, there are some weeks where you're like, okay, there's the number one pick. And then there's other weeks where you're like, get rid of this guy as soon as possible. Let's tank for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's so wildly inconsistent. And the biggest problem I, I see in this offense is they're not getting the ball to Mike Evans. Now, there's no reasons why Mike Evans... Mike Evans should not be a top five receiver in the game. He's that good. But the reason he's not is because Jameis Winston is just so wildly inconsistent. I think Bruce Arians will solve that. Get the ball to your playmakers. Um, I don't think they're going to be Jared Goff, Sean McVay. But I do think we're going to be talking about Bruce Arians, Jameis Winston kind of relationship at the end of the season. How good it was for the organization. How good it was for Jameis Winston, the football player. And how good it was for Jameis Winston, the man. So I really like this. Uh, higher again not much potential because they do still play in the south um, we got the saints uh the panthers the falcons i assume will be better so uh i like the, i like the fit though and now here's where the ones here are the ones are getting number four where i kind of i don't like these hires some of them are really bad this one i don't i don't know well we'll see matt lafleur now number four on my list of quarterback hires number one in my list of best names in the nfl the floor that's fun to say i mean that is that is a grade a name i i wish coaches had jerseys because i would buy his jersey just to have the floor on my on you know on my back that's just that's a great that's a great name but i have him at number four because he's kind of an enigma i mean he's another uh member of the mcveigh tree uh he spent time in washington with uh, sean mcveigh and kyle shanahan then he took over for the offensive coordinator job at Tennessee, and their offense was anything but uh, impressive this year. Uh, you could put a lot of that on the shoulders of Marcus Mariota. Fair. Um, you could put, again, but he's the one who constructs the system. Marcus Mariota can move around. He's elusive, so some of that goes on uh, Matt LaFleur also. It's, I mean, I'm not going to totally hold that against him. I have, a number, have him at number four, kind of right in the middle. Because honestly, I'm, I have no idea how this is going to work. I really don't. This could either be, I mean, a, this could either get the Packers back into, you know, Super Bowl contention as they were year in and year out, or this could be one of the greatest mistakes in the history of Wisconsin. I mean, it really could. Only time will tell how his relationship with Aaron Rodgers will develop. I mean, then that's ultimately the hardest part of this job is, is working with Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, developing a relationship, of a trust with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you heard the stories that Aaron Rodgers multiple times would just go. Mike McCarthy would call a play, and he would just he would just blatantly change it in the huddle. He wouldn't even he wouldn't even audible out of it. He would just change it from the get go. So um, they brought in an offensive guy. Uh, he's also he's pretty young too. They follow suit. The young offensive guys who uh, know Sean McVay. Uh, he's a new hire for the Green Bay Packers. We'll see. Stand by. I have him at number four because this could be really good. And it could more than likely, I think it's going to be really awful. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they made the playoffs if they won the North next year. But I think this is going to, I think this is the end 
of the Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay. We're going to be talking about him like Brett Favre. Uh, where is he going? Is he retiring? You know, what teams are going to play? I think this is, uh, yeah, they're heading down a dark path. But I don't know. I really don't know. That's just my feeling. Uh, but I don't know for sure. This is kind of, you know, one of the biggest question marks of all the coaching hires. So uh, we'll see. Stand by. Now, here are the next two that I absolutely despise uh, as hires. Number five, I think these are just some of the dumbest hires you could have possibly made. Uh, let's get into it. Number five, Freddie Kitchens. Now, Cleveland, and I take a I take a sigh, a very disappointed sigh, because it looked like they were turning the corner. It looked like the un, the impossible was about to happen. The Cleveland Browns were going to be a respectable and functionable football franchise, and we I mean they did it again. They just went full Cleveland Brown. Uh, they fired Greg Williams, who had the best eight game period in the last twenty years for the Browns. He was five and three. <laughs> and that's not even that's I mean that's good, but it's not great. And that was one of the best eight game stretches that the Cleveland Browns have seen in the past two decades. Uh, they fired him. They didn't even demote him back to being defensive. They just fired. They kicked him out, which I think was ridiculous. Um, they hired Freddie Kitchens, who at the beginning of the season was a position coach. He was not the offensive coordinator full time. He took over for Todd Haley and Baker Mayfield. He looked great. I'm not gonna let's be fair. He looked he looked fantastic under Freddie Kitchens, but. Sometimes good coordinator, and we don't even know if he is a good coordinator because this was his first coordinating job, you know, so we don't really know how good of a coordinator he is, but, well, I mean, for the sake of the argument, sometimes good coordinators are just good coordinators. You don't have to hire them as a head coach of your entire football team, um, and if you think that's unfair, you know, because, I mean, often, more times than not, head coaches, you know, they they get promoted from being a uh, coordinator, but not always. More often than not, it doesn't work out for court. That's why Bill Belichick, there's only one Bill Belichick, okay, because it doesn't happen all the time. And if you think that um, good coordinators are always head coaches, are always good head coaches, um, please see Hugh Jackson. Number six, Cliff Kingsbury. Now, this is the worst hire of all six. I hate this one. I absolutely can't stand it. This is, I mean, I hate it. With all my heart, I can't. <laughs> uh, this is this is the worst hire. It's the worst hire of all six, as far as fit. All that's it's the worst hire, and it's the most disgraceful hire. Uh, just 15 minutes after not only agreeing to become the offensive coordinator for USC, but signing the damn contract to be the offensive coordinator for USC. 15 minutes after that, he takes the job to be the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. Good luck. You know what? Good luck to him. Best He made the decision best for him. I am a Kevin Durant supporter, so it's kind of a double standard for me not to support Cliff Kingsbury. But here is why I still think it is the worst hire of all six. I wish him all the best. Because his time at Texas Tech, he was known as a not very good recruiter. Um, he didn't. He was the mastermind behind Patrick Mahomes. Because who would have ever possibly guessed that Patrick Mahomes is good at football? I mean, I... He's a visionary. You just can't you can't see it. Patrick Mahomes, he's good at football. Like wow, Cliff Kingsbury is he's a visionary. He's the Mozart of football. Uh, obviously his defenses have been horrendous and his defense, the one he's inheriting isn't very good now. They have Patrick Peterson who's probably the best corner in all of football, but he doesn't get the credit because the rest of the unit is just 
garbage. I mean, they are bad. Arizona's not good. They have Patrick Peterson. They have Larry Legend. They have David Johnson, and that's it. Three players are not going to improve your entire football team. Josh Rosen, the jury is still out. I'm not going to take away from Josh Rosen just yet. We'll get to him. But your offensive line is terrible. It's horrible. So you don't even get David Johnson. And I know that for a fact because I had him on my failed fantasy team this year. He did all of nothing this year. And it's really not his fault. They refused to throw the ball to him. And he couldn't find any kind of holes rushing the football because their offensive line is just atrocious. Um, And he's already, he said, uh, granted, this was a few months ago. But he said if he had the number one pick, I think this was still while he was at Texas Tech, actually. He said, if I had the number one pick, I would take Kyler Murray. And it just so happens that the Arizona Cardinals, the team that he is now the head coach for, has the number one pick in the draft. So now you've already, you haven't even been there an hour, and you've already created a quarterback controversy, and one of the quarterbacks isn't even on your team possibly yet, or at all. I mean, we don't know. A lot of people are saying Kyler Murray's leading to the draft, which I think is stupid, but um, we don't even know if he's going to play football or not officially just yet. He might have already declared while, we re- while we've been recording. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, and then you play, how about this? They play in the NFC West where they just saw two teams make it to the playoffs, the Rams and the Seahawks. And oh, by the way, Jimmy G's back. He's coming back next year with Kyle Shanahan. So now you have three teams that are clearly superior to you. Three potential playoff teams. You know, the 49ers were bad. I don't think they would have made the playoffs anyway this year. But Jimmy G, obviously your franchise guy, is going to make the whole team better. He's got his work cut out for him, just Cliff Kingsbury. Um, he's got, I mean, it's going to be really, really tough for him. I don't see this working at all. I think this is going to be a fantastic, a spectacular explosion of a dumpster fire. I think this, this is just them, you know, bringing in the big name, the flashy name. They're following suit. We want the next Sean McVay. So let's get the guy who worked with them for, you know, at FedEx before, before they became head coaches. I don't, I don't see this. I can't wait. You know what? This is going to be one of those space. They're not going to be the Raiders because of course we love the Raiders here. They're so much fun, but I don't think I don't see them being very good. I don't think this is going to work at all. And lucky for Cliff Kingsbury, he's so young. He's going to have plenty of offers once he's fired in two years. I give him two years, and you can mark that down right now. I give him two years. It's going to be that bad. Um, and now you have to think, what are they going to do with that number one pick? Are they going to trade it away? Uh, stockpile picks, which is what the Raiders have done. Are they going to trade away Josh Rosen and then take Kyler Murray? Who knows? They've, it's, it's already a mess, and he hasn't even been there a full week. So there is your full list from first to worst head coaching hires in the NFL. Time for the quote of the week. Now, I usually, I like to um, send you off with something kind of funny, something kind of entertaining. But the quote of the week, when I first came up with it, I, I envisioned, okay, yeah, something funny, something entertaining. But most of the time, what was the best thing that I saw or heard all week long? And we haven't heard from John Gruden in a while, so unfortunately, which makes me very sad because uh, we don't get a John, a John Gruden or a Raider quote of the week. But there was something out of Oakland that I really uh, raised my eyebrow at. My eyebrow was uh, four, four inches uh, higher into my hairline than it normally is. Um, it was really interesting. The quote is an old one. Uh, sometimes we do. This is, how you know, this is how you know we couldn't find a good quote. We do this. We cheat. When we can't find a quote of the week, we just find a, a quote from the past, and then we, we, try, to, we try to pass it off as uh, you know, the quote of the week. But, quote, this will be behind us like a ponytail. 
Clay Thompson of the Warriors. And he said this uh, beginning of the season when Kevin Durant and Draymond Green were fighting and the Warriors were losing games and everyone was saying the dynasty is over. And he said, chill out, man. We're, we're going to be fine. It's going to be behind us like a ponytail because you put a ponytail behind you and you just forget it's even there. People have to remind you, hey, look at your ponytail. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Completely forgot. And a few months later, fast forward to Tuesday night, he more than answered that. He more than delivered on the statement. He had 43 points, and here's what, uh, here's what I loved about that. He had 43 points on four dribbles. He only dribbled the ball four times total on Tuesday, and he had 43 points. Now, uh, me per- and again, this is just a personal thing. I just wanted to talk about this because I wanted to talk about it. I loved what I saw. This was this is the most beautiful form of basketball. It really is. I mean, I just love this coming off of screens, uh, manipulating screens, you know, catch and shoot. As soon as you get it, you shoot it. You, I always say when you're coming off of screens in basketball, and I'm getting, and I love this because I get, I like talking like X's and O's. I don't know, really know X's and O's in football. I know X's O's in basketball. So I love that I get to break this down. And Clay Thompson's one of my favorite players because he's such a, he's such a technician. The way he sets his feet, he's got the best shooting form in all of basketball, one of the best forms that I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's really that great. He's so balanced. He's, his uh, guide hand, it doesn't move. I mean, it's frozen, and then his shooting hand is perfect. I mean, it's great. So he's coming off of screens. Oh, well, hang on. I, I've always said when, when you come off of screens, you've made the shot before you even catch the ball. The way you set up your screen determines if you're going to make the shot or not because you should be able to take enough shots in practice to where – the shooting motion, catching, that should be automatic. You should have already had that down pat. The way you set up the screen, that's something you cannot manipulate in practice because in practice, ultimately, you could talk about game speed, but there's nothing like playing in the games. So, I mean, you make your shot coming off of screens, moving off of the ball, misdirecting you know, uh, the defense. Klay Thompson is the best. I mean, he only, and again, this proves it, he never touches the ball, and as soon as he does, he's getting rid of it. It's going up. He's hoisting it up three ball he only dribbled the ball four times and he's this effective if any of you guys want to be shooters I mean I don't know who's I don't know who's listening if you're a young uh, child who's an aspiring basketball player I recommend you watch Clay Thompson the way he he moves without the ball away from the ball the defense isn't look it's just it's pure poetry I love watching Clay Thompson he's one of my favorite players now don't get me wrong I love Kyrie Irving, seeing what he does with the ball. He dribbles the ball 4,000 times a game. Uh, Kevin Durant doesn't dribble as much, but he's got a handle. He does all kinds of step back, you know. But the reason I like Klay Thompson is because it's so easy. His game is, he's going to play till he's 38. Because it's so, there's so little stress on Klay Thompson's body. You know what stress, how, how much of a pounding Kyrie Irving and Stephen Curry take? Why do you think that is? Because they constantly have the ball. The defense's attention is on you the entire time. I mean, there's there's no secret. Kyrie Irving has the ball. You know where he's you know what he's trying to do. You know where he is at all times. But Klay Thompson without the ball can still drop 43 points because he's moving, he's uh, coming off of screens, he's setting screens and he's rolling out, he's fading away. It's it's just pure poetry. And then his shot, just I mean, forget moving with the ball, forget coming off of the screens. Forget all that. Just his shooting form. I mean, if you go back on YouTube, watch his three-point competitions. I mean, it's just a clinic. I mean, I, it's just it's so beautiful. I love watching Klay Thompson. Um, 
And I, I love his quotes. I mean, this is a great quote. This will be behind us like a ponytail. He doesn't do this all the time. He's a quiet guy, which I also like. I don't like, uh, I don't like people who are obnoxious, even though I'm pretty obnoxious. Um, and I understand people don't like to listen to the show because I'm pretty obnoxious. But I love Clay Thompson. And every now and again, he'll have... And it's, un- it's unintentional. That's what's so great. He's not trying to make these you know, interesting quotes. Like, what did he just say? He honestly, you know, this was a, a genuine, this will be behind us like a ponytail. That wasn't planned out. That wasn't written. That's honestly what came out in that moment in, uh, in time from Clay Thompson. Every now and again, he'll give you a real gem of a quote. Um, but going back to basketball, Clay Thompson, he's the best. I mean, just watch his shooting form. Just so much balance. There's no movement. There's no swaying when he's going up. His guide hand, watch it in slow motion. If you can't, I mean, just watch it in regular speed just for fun because it's fun to see you know you know splashing threes but then watch it again in slow motion you see the way um it's just it's just picture picture perfect his form is i mean his feet are perfectly spread apart his guide hand doesn't move really look at his guide hand it just stays entirely still like there's not even a ball there like he doesn't even have his second hand there and then uh his follow through his finish is fantastic i mean so quick too and it's there's no secret why he has one of the quickest shots uh, releases in all of basketball because his form is easy to repeat. And there's no secret why he's so durable. You don't hear about Klay Thompson, you know, on the, uh, you know, on the, it's not something the DL in basketball, or is it? You don't hear about him being injured very often because he's not taking a pounding, you know, driving the lane, you know. He does drive every now and again, but his strength is coming off the screens, catching and shooting. That's, it's the most beautiful form of basketball. I don't care what I don't care if you're old school, you want a low uh, bang in the post. You, I don't care if you don't like three-pointers. This is beautiful basketball. 43 points on four dribbles. I want you to try, get a basketball. Maybe, uh, maybe you, um, you're not allowed to dribble the ball in the house. So take it to your driveway. Try, dribbling the, try walking from the end of your driveway or the beginning of your driveway where your garage door closes to the street and try doing that without four dribbles or less. That's how many times it that's how many dribbles it took Clay Thompson to score 43 points. Think about that. It takes you about four, three to four dribbles to get from your, your garage door to the street. If you want to work outside, you want to shoot uh, you know, in the front yard. It takes you about four dribbles to get from the garage door to the to the street. And that's how many dribbles Clay Thompson needed to score 43 points. I can't stress this enough. It's fantastic. I love it. I didn't watch the game because, I mean, not all the war. I mean, basketball, there's so many teams and so many games. They're not all on TV, but I saw the highlights. I watched, I like to say I watched film to make myself, you know, feel more intellectual. But I watched, I watched the highlights in slow motion, the same thing like I was telling you, coming off the screens. His hands are already, as soon as he's coming off the screen, his hands are set. Before he even comes off the screen, he sets up the, the screen to where his defender has to go through the screen. Because if you come off wide, your defender's just going to chase and you're not going to get a shot off. He sets it off so beautifully to where they're not, their shoulders are touching, but they're not bumping into each other. His hands are already up, ready to catch and shoot. So by the time the ball comes to him, he's already facing the basket. His eyes are already looking. It's just, I love it. If you guys could send this to Clay Thompson and just let him know, I, he's, he's my favorite. I just love watching Clay Thompson play. It's such beautiful basketball. Clay Thompson, you're the best. And I'm giving a thumbs up right now just to you know, emphasize how, how corny of an ending this was to the show. And that is the end of our show this week. It's crowd noise podcast. You can listen. I will hang on. I want to thank our sponsor baboon for sponsoring this week's episode. Make sure you go back to their, uh, go to their website, 
Use the code MESEASON and you get 10% off your whole purchase. It's a steal. They're basically giving it away at this point. Um, you can listen on Anchor Podcasts. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever great podcasts are sold. I will talk to you next week. Enjoy the games. I mean, this is uh, aside from the Rams-Cowboys games, I think this is going to be a great weekend of football. There will definitely be basketball next week. Um, not just me, you know, drooling over Clay Thompson's shot form, but like a real basketball story. We will have we will have something real next week. I can promise you that. Enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you next week.